Hey, Pastor Josh here. Thanks so much for watching our videos. If you'd like more information about Legacy City Church, you can go to LegacyCityChurch.com. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the bell below. God bless you. We are in Matthew chapter 10 in our Bibles, Matthew chapter 10. And we are working through a series I've titled Jesus Worldview. Jesus Worldview. At the end of the day, this is what I want. I want the view of Christ. I want to know what he's up to on the planet, what he's up to on the earth. I have... Uh, gone down many roads and paths and trying to look through the eyes of uh, men and women on the planet and time and time again we find bits and pieces of truth but many times uh, all the time they're flawed we are flawed as people we do not have perfect views I do not have perfect views thus I need to constantly realign myself with the one who is perfect the Almighty God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so um, the reason we launched this series is because of all of the different views and ideas and problems on our planet. Uh, I say, why don't we just look exactly at what Jesus has to say? We dove into the book of Matthew because it is the most comprehensive gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the four gospels, just simply the story of Jesus written from different perspectives. And uh, we're looking at the Gospel of Matthew because it is the most comprehensive of his views. And it helps us understand him fully. And so we are marching through this text one verse at a time, one chapter at a time. And uh, this is sermon number 48 through the book of Matthew. We're in Matthew chapter 10. We will close this chapter today. Heard of a story. Maybe you heard this one. Two guys are walking through a game park and they come across a lion that is not eaten for days. The lion starts chasing the two men. They run as fast as they can and the one guy starts getting tired and he knows the lion's gonna catch him so he gets down on his knees and starts to pray, Lord, please turn this lion into a Christian lion. True story. And he looks to see if the lion is still chasing him and all of a sudden he sees the lion on his knees. Happy to see his prayer answered, he turns around and heads towards the lion. And as he comes closer to the lion, he hears the lion saying a prayer, whispering, Thank you, Lord, for the food I am about to receive. <laughs> Just the jokes for today. It is hard to see our division that we have in the world today, with families, friends, co-workers, all divided by political positions and positions on freedom of choice and medical issues. It's sad. And sadly, you would think that the body of Christ would come together in clarity and stand together. Let's just get clear on things. Let's talk about these things. Let's get clarity. But sadly, we are flawed human beings, and we are divided for all kinds of reasons as well, even in the church. Today, we see Jesus explain that the gospel actually does divide the world into two categories. Those who are with Christ and those who are against him. The gospel actually does this. And Jesus tells his disciples this up front so that they understand the cost 
and they understand the mission that is at hand. The Lord Jesus, you know, is raising up these 12 disciples, these 12 apostles. He's about to send them out into the world to go and preach this gospel news, this sermon of the kingdom of heaven being at hand. And as they go into the world, this message will divide groups, will divide people. But our encouragement is that though there is division in our world, God our Father is in control and will take care of his kids. And he will reward those who diligently seek him. That he has a plan in all of this in the end. It's a hope I have to continue to remind myself day after day, week after week, knowing that God has a plan in all that is going on, knowing that he's in control, knowing that he is sovereign over all things, give me absolute peace. Let me reverse it for you. What if he was not in control? And what if he was not sovereign over all of this? That's even more scary. God is up in heaven worried. Oh no, the planets are spinning out of control. There's nothing I can do. The people are rising up against each other. There's nothing I can do. Angels, somebody, is there another God who can do something? No, he is the creator of all the universe standing in perfect peace. Re at rest, I always like to say, in his lazy boy recliner on his throne. If God's not worried, why are we? We're going to read a few verses today, and then we will take on uh, major parts of the text, and I'll make points in those because we have a lot of scripture to cover in a short amount of time, okay? We're going to read verses 26 to 33. Would you stand for the reading of God's word? We always stand for the reading of God's word to pay honor to him and to remember whose word we are reading, not mine. My words will never change you, I promise. They may motivate you and encourage you a little bit, but there's something about seeing the words of God. And when you see what is being said by the Lord Jesus and by Almighty God, it changes us. It can change our mind, change our perspective. What happens when you get to places in the Bible that you don't agree with? You change your mind. Um, is my opinion more important or is God's? That is always going to be the struggle. Not every text is easy to digest. And this one before us, there is a difficult text here, but I hope to bring light to it and help you understand what Christ is saying. Look at verses 26 to 33. It's not the end of our text, but we'll start reading here. Jesus says to them, these are his apostles, his 12, his disciples, so have no fear of them. For nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? But even the hairs of your head are numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are more of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these words. 
We thank you for giving us insight into the conversation that the Lord Jesus had with his disciples, his apostles. We pray you would help us to glean from these words, apply them to our lives, help us to see your perspective and what you're up to on the earth. We pray it now in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. We have been walking through this talk that Jesus gave to his 12 apostles after choosing these 12. He had been speaking in both specific and general terms in regard to these 12 and all disciples called to follow him. At the beginning of this chapter, you see Jesus giving specific instruction to these 12. But we will see as we work through the chapter that a lot of what he is saying also applies to his disciples in general, and we are able to apply some of those things to our life as well. Jesus sent out the 12 as sheep amongst wolves and told them to be wise as serpents, but soft as doves. Be careful. Be wise. Their mission was to spread and live the kingdom of God on earth because the king of all kings was here. The king is here. Thus there is a new kingdom. And we live in that kingdom in a new way amongst his culture, what he desires as his people. Look at verse 26 and 27 again. So he says to them, so have no fear of them, even though they are wolves, out there he says have no fear of them for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known what I tell you in the dark say in the light and what you hear whispered proclaim on the housetops the Lord had previously told them that if their master is going to be persecuted and called crazy blasphemous names they will too they call him all kinds of names But he says to them, don't fear, even though they are attacking you and coming after you. Because what is said behind closed doors will be revealed one day. Jesus is saying to them, listen, boys, God is listening to all conversations. And he will call them to the carpet one day for all that they have said and done. Jesus tells them instead, what I have told you in the dark or in these meetings behind closed doors, I want you to say it in the light. You shout it from the rooftops. The private conversations that we have about truth, you go in to the culture, into the places, and you shout from the rooftops. This is what the world does. They talk behind your back to try to tear you down with others. But what are we called to do? Leave nothing in secret, proclaim the truth. This is what I've learned over the years. People can say and do all kinds of things behind closed doors and think they will get away with it. This is what you learn over time. But eventually the darkness of their own soul will catch up with them. I don't have to pull out my sword and chop them down as they do of others. They will eventually self-sabotage and destroy their own path, relationships, and surroundings because of their destructive actions. The best thing we can do is just keep walking in truth and serve the Lord. Long term, as you walk in humility and truth, the Lord will honor you. He'll take care of you. You don't need to pull out your sword and chop him down. You don't need to. As a young guy, I love pulling out my sword and chopping people down. Like, that's it. Cut them to the ground. 
Before you knew it, I started realizing I don't want to become and grow into that kind of person more and more and more as I get older. I don't want to be that, that old guy doing that, chopping everybody down. I don't want to be that guy. I want to be warm. I want to be kind. Meekness, strength under control. The strength is there, but I don't need to use it. The power is there, but I don't need to use it. I use it to serve people, not hammer people. And that's the difference. That's Jesus, is it not? He wielded all the power in the universe, yet he lowered himself and allowed human beings to crucify him. Creator of the universe. He planted that tree that they would build the cross from. He made that iron in the ground that they would make nails out of and allowed his own creation to crucify him. Talk about meekness under control. He's the king of all kings. He could have called down legions of angels in that moment and just wiped the whole place out, but he chooses not to. And I'm, he is telling his disciples the same thing. He's saying, guys, listen, people are going to talk about you behind your back, trying to try to burn you down. They're going to try to take advantage. They're going to try to do all this stuff. You keep doing what I've told you. You stay in the truth. You do the right thing. Don't worry. God is listening and he sees everything and he's going to take care of it all. Praise God. Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. You produce death with this tongue, you're going to eat of it. That is what you will feast on long term. You produce life with this tongue, you will produce and feast on life all the days of your life. If you want to gossip about somebody, why don't you gossip about all the great things somebody's done? Did you hear what so-and-so did? No, what? They blessed that person. It was amazing. No, what? Give me the juicy. Oh, man, they're such an amazing person. They loved and served that guy. I couldn't believe it. Oh. Proverbs 13.3, whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. Proverbs 21, 23, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Matthew 12, 36, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. Scary. I didn't watch my mouth when I was younger, and I sure do a lot more in this day and age. Text messages, emails, phone calls, I just leave them for a couple days before I just be like, I'm burning them down, I'm burning them down. No more. Got to learn the hard way. Got to make a lot of mistakes and hurt a lot of people. Not looking through the eyes of my father and the way that he sees them. They're just broken, messed up people like me trying to figure it out. And he has grace for me. How can I not be patient even with those who attack me? The contrast from the Lord is perfect. He says the wicked will be held accountable for their words in secret. And you will be rewarded for your proclamation of the truth. When everything else is... When everybody else is going along with the crowd, you continue to do the right thing and the Lord will carry you. It is hard to swim against the current. It's hard to go upstream sometimes, but the Lord will reward you. 
The Lord reinforces what he is saying by repeating the words, do not fear, and he will say it three times in our text. Three times. Do not fear. Do not fear. Then he says, have no fear of them because it's all in my hands and my control. Verse 28, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. The Lord says there is no need to fear man who can only kill the body. All he can do is kill the body. I love Jesus' context. Only eternal beings talk like this. Hey, he can only kill the body. Not that big of a deal. Everybody on the is like, what? Kill the body? Oh, no. The Lord said, there's no need to fear a man who can only kill the body. Instead, all should fear the one who can destroy the body and the soul in hell. Jesus says the word hell. Hell, hell, hell. Yes, it's a real place, and people will be judged and destroyed there by the great judge and king. Sadly, you will rarely hear a pastor say this word anymore in the pulpit. Why? Because people are scared to lose congregants. Here's the crazy thing. What if Jesus was standing here in L.A. saying these exact things? What would he say? He would say this. I am just a delivery boy. He is the master. I deliver the mail. How can we not look at this? The wicked will not get away and they should be in fear. The Lord will find you. You can't get away. He has already found you and you sit in judgment unless you repent and ask for forgiveness from the King of all kings. Make him your Lord and Savior over your life. Allow him to save you from your own destruction. Jesus warns of hell 42 times in the New Testament. Did you know that? 42 times in the New Testament. Very few talking about this. Why? Because it offends people. I've been offended so many times in this last year. Christ offended so much that they killed him for it. They said, blasphemy, we will crucify you. Do you want Barabbas, the dirty criminal? Or do you want Jesus, the one who claims to be Messiah, to be crucified? We want Jesus crucified. Let Barabbas, the dirty criminal, go free. Well, what has he done? Well, he committed blasphemy. He said things like he's the son of God and he can forgive sins. And he says we're all going to hell. Hmm. I'm warning you today because Jesus warned me. Jesus warns us. We all know there is a judgment deep within. We all want a judgment. We don't want the evil and wicked of the world to just get away with everything they've done. We don't want them to get away at the end of their life. We don't want Hitler to get away. We don't want him to be able to sit in that bunker and commit suicide or do whatever he is just to get away from trial. We want him to stand before a judge one day. But we don't want to think about ourselves and where we stand with God. The truth is we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
There is no one righteous on the earth. We're all in the same camp. We all need forgiveness, the forgiveness of God. We all need the grace of Jesus to shine on us. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Pastor, you look like a pretty good guy. I'm not. If there's anything good in me, it's because of the work of God that has happened over time. But if I was left to myself, I would not be doing these good things. I'd be greedy. I'd be building business. I'd be knocking other people down. I'd be climbing status. I would be taking over just like everybody else is doing here in L.A. And for my gain in my kingdom, and because of the grace of God, some of those things are set off in my heart. Because of the grace of Jesus, we all need, to need the sacrificial work of Christ on the cross. He took the punishment we deserved. He took the hell upon himself on the cross that we deserved. In a matter of hours, the Lord Jesus drank down the wrath of God on the cross that would have taken an eternity to be poured out on me. How can that be? The judgment of hell is an eternal judgment because it is those who say, I don't want God. And then God says, I will give you that for eternity. You will not have me. Separated from God forever. The punishment for our sin. Not being forgiven and reconciled to God. But check this out. The wrath of God, the punishment that sits in a cup that Jesus said, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. The cup that we would have had to drink would have taken all of eternity to drink. And Jesus, in a matter of hours on the cross, drank down the whole thing, not only for me, but for millions and millions of people on the earth. How can this be? He suffered more than anyone will ever suffer to let us go free. No one gets away except through the Lord Jesus. He is the judge and the one all should fear. Fear the one who can destroy both the soul and the body. Don't fear man. The Lord goes on to build a case to the disciples. More reason as to why they don't need to fear. The major point being that he is in control. He is sovereign over it all. Praise God. At first, this was a complicated idea for me to accept and understand, but long term, it has been the most comforting thing that I know in the word of God, that he is in control of everything. If I go on a cruise ship and that thing starts to sink, but Jesus is the captain, I don't even care. But if Jesus is not the captain and he's not in control, I don't care who else is the captain, I'm scared to death, we're all going down. But if he is in control, it doesn't matter what stands at the gates. I'm okay. After all, he is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Take a look at how specific Jesus gets to make this point, to give his disciples comfort as they are being sent out as sheep amongst wolves. He says, verse 29, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Serge. Uh, the timing was so good. I, it's excellent. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Watch this breakdown. 
Jesus explains that two sparrows are sold for a penny. A sparrow is a very small bird, the smallest of value. Two sparrows sold for a penny, that would mean one sparrow is worth half a penny. I looked it up and there are more than 50 billion birds on the planet. Sparrows make up 1.6 billion of those birds. According to Jesus' value placing of the sparrows, after all, he is the creator, you could purchase all 1.6 billion sparrows for $8 million. Yes, the entire population of all the sparrows of the planet for $8 million. This is nothing in comparison to our budgets going on here in America. $8 million bucks, psh, it's a penny. The Lord says not one of these sparrows will fall to the ground apart from your father. Not one dies without him knowing and being in control of it. God is in full control and fully aware of the smallest things as a single sparrow dying on the planet worth half a penny. Not one will fall to the ground apart from the father, it says. Did you see that? I didn't say it. Jesus said, not one of these sparrows will fall to the ground apart from your father. Is God closely acquainted with even the single sparrow falling from the sky? Yes. Jesus goes on to say, let's get even more detailed and talk about the things you never think about and you never worry about, like a bird falling from the sky. How about the hairs on your head? They're all numbered. Now that's not a difficult task for my bald head, as Serge pointed out. Would be a difficult task for my beard in this season. Thank you very much. But the point is, something even as insignificant as hair on your head, God knows about each and every one of them. You lose 50 to 100 hairs a day. That's up to 3,000 hairs a month. 30,000 hairs a year. And you don't give it a second thought. Well, some of you do, like me. But God knows every detail. The human head averages approximately 100,000 hair follicles. And you don't know of any of them individually, do you? Except for that one that will never fall into place, right? God knows every single one of them on your head and of every human on the planet. Think about that. He knows when every sparrow falls. He knows even when every hair falls. How significant is hair? It has no value, but God knows. Then Jesus adds, verse 31, Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. How can God have that much knowledge and know of every single hair on the planet? It is far beyond what we could ever comprehend, and it shows how vast he is. He's an eternal being. We are finite beings. Eternal. He does not have a beginning. He doesn't have an end. It's far beyond our mind because we don't know anything that didn't have a beginning. Thus, we can never come to the conclusion that something can't have a beginning. That's why it's so hard for us to understand the infinite. But God has no beginning. He has no end. He has always been. And he has always known. 
and he has never learned anything at any time. He's always known. Jesus says, fear not for a third time. Do not worry. You are worth far more than sparrows to God. How much are we worth? He allowed his own son to pay the price of his life for us. We are priceless in the eyes of God. Jesus paid the highest price for us. And of course he knows every detail of our lives. And of course none of us will fall apart from him. He is fully sovereign in full control of every single detail, including the hairs on our head. He determines far before anything happens. We are priceless in the eyes of God. God knows everything and is in full control of everything. How much more is he acquainted with the details of his children who are priceless to him? The father's love for his kids is working. And he is working everything for good, even the persecution, even death. He has everything under control. How do we know? He had, because he had everything under control in his own son's death on the cross. Perfectly planned and in control. He was not pacing in heaven, worried in fear of all that was happening to Jesus on the cross. Oh no, do you guys know what they're doing down there? Jesus would say, my father and I planned this in eternity's past. No one takes my life from me. I lay it down for my sheep. If Christ, if God the Father has planned the cross in the darkest moment in all of history to bring forth the most beautiful gift of salvation, how has he not planned and been in control of everything for eternity's past and eternity into the future? Hard to comprehend, I know. It is for me too. But the fact of the matter is, I'm so thankful it's real. Because that means that every dark thing that goes down in my life, God is fully aware and has been thinking about it for thousands of years, and he's not worried. He is working it for good, for his glory. If God's not worried, why are we? Fear not, for I am with you. Allow me to wash the scripture over you. Just let it just, I mean, it's just so good. Psalm 115.3, our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. He does whatever he wants and no one will stop him. First Chronicles 29.11, yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and on the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength. Job 42, verse 2 says, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who can stop him? One of my favorites is the virgin birth. Right? Angel just shows up. Surprise! You're pregnant! What? I, I wasn't ready to be pregnant. I know, but we had a discussion in eternity's past, and this is what's going to happen. So... Okay, all right, I'm pregnant, but you found favor with God. You're good. Okay, this is a blessing. Don't miss this, all right? Well, um, what are we going to name him? Well, we already got a name picked out, too. I'm really sorry. You're going to call his name Jesus. 
Yeshua because the Lord is salvation is his name because he will save his people from his sins, from their sins. So I don't get to name him either. No, sorry, uh, we named him already. God planned it. He planned the birth. He planned the cross. He planned the whole shebang. Proverbs 16, 9, the heart of the man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. You can make plans, but God has greater plans in order. Proverbs 19, 21, many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. His purpose, his plan. You can try to forge out your own purpose and plan, but God's will ultimately stand. Isaiah 46, 9, remember the former things of old, for I am God, there is no other. I am God, there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. What? He declares the end from the beginning. He is the author and finisher of our faith. He writes the story. He is the writer. He is director. He is producer. He is the whole thing. He's got it all under control. Our decisions, our choosing in real time and every day fall in line ultimately with what he is up to. To reconcile those two ideas is impossible, but they are very clear in the text before us. Daniel 4.35, all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay, say his hand or say to him, what have you done? Amen. Nobody. You, you, you want to go talk to the boss? <laughs> Why has God done this? What, what are you doing? You can't do that. You want to go tell him? You, you can go tell him. I'll, I'm going to say over here. Remember, Job tried to do this. And he says, where were you when I created the universe? Oh, you weren't there yet, were you? Psalm 103, 19, the Lord established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Romans 8, 28, we know that for those who love God, that's us, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose, his plan. Psalm 135, 6, whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and on earth, in the seas and all deeps. He does whatever he wants, and whatever he wants to happen is ultimately happening. And while that can be frightening, why are you allowing this? Why are you doing this? In the end, I'm thankful for the storm because I know that he will calm it in the end. I am thankful for the cross. If it was up to me, you and I, we would have canceled the whole thing. But praise be to God that he had planned it and allowed it and walked through it. And now we have salvation. Look at verse 32 and 33. Jesus goes on to explain after he comforts his boys with a bit more. Everyone who acknowledged me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Jesus is speaking about that day when we stand before God and he, the Lord Jesus, is standing there. And he says to those that acknowledged me before people on earth, 
I will acknowledge them before the Father in heaven. But those that deny me on earth will be denied in heaven before Almighty God. It seems that there is a specific moment in heaven when this will happen. When you, you and I will be standing before the Lord. And those that deny him on earth will be denied in heaven. But those who acknowledge him on earth and walk with him will be acknowledged in heaven. Family, we have the opportunity to acknowledge our Lord and Savior here on earth to others who desperately need him. What are we waiting for? What are you waiting for? Tell your friend. Tell your family member, your co-worker about the Lord. Invite them to come worship. Lead them to the Lord Jesus. What are you waiting for? Those who acknowledge me before people, I will acknowledge them with my Father and the angels in eternity. You have the opportunity. This is what Christ has sent us to do. This is what he sent these boys to do. Look at verse 34 to 39. Do not think I have come to bring peace to the earth. What? Did you hear that? Who, who says this? Jesus. Do not think I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and daughter against her mother and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That's just offensive. It hurts me. It's a hard text to digest. How can this be? Two major points here. The first is this is the first time Jesus brings up the cross in the Gospels. They only imagine, and the only image that they have in their minds is the crucifixion, death, and suffering. An odd image for them to adopt and understand in relation to Messiah. All they see is peace and a new king. They don't understand that following him will cost them everything on earth, but they will gain everything in eternity. The cross brings peace in eternity with God. But the cross also divides here on earth. And many of you have experienced this. This simple message of the gospel in the name of Jesus can offend LA and this world at the highest degree. You know what I mean? You tell people they are sinners and broken and Trader Joe's, you know what's going to happen? They'll drag you out of there. Hey, what, what are you doing? You know, that's a different talk. You, you have that over there. Don't be doing that in public. Tell people they are sinners and broken and not inherently good, but they need, that they need God is a high offense. I think the phrase Jesus Christ is still the number one curse phrase when it comes to using religious names. Have you ever heard anybody curse using Buddha or Muhammad? No, oh, Buddha. No. Oh, you hear Jesus Christ shouted from east to west, round the globe. 
As people learn the English language, they learn this phrase. It's very interesting. It's so connected. Even the worldliest of the worldliest, they, they all hear them and they'll just shout a curse word with Jesus Christ attached to it. I'm just thinking, Jesus is Lord. That's right. It's a sad thing, but it's a reality. That following Jesus can cost you your friends, your family, your, and your life. And Jesus tells us the cost up front. Second, we see that we are to love Christ more than anything in the world, more than family, more than anything. And in doing so, watch this, we will actually love our families more than ever. This used to be conflicting for me, but I understand now that the best thing I can ever do for everyone around me is make God and the Lord Jesus number one in my life. Then his love will flow through me to my wife and my kids and my family and my friends. It will divide many relationships, but it keeps me and those I love grounded in the long run of life. If I give up Christ and make him last in my life, all things I love around me will fall apart. But if I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added unto me. It's very interesting how it works. You love me above all things, and Christ seems to show up and start repairing. Sure, there is divide. Sure, it does come with certain co-workers or certain friendships or certain family members. But at the end of the day, when I make him Lord over my life, I know he is enabling me to love at the highest degree, praise God. Look at verse 40 to 42. Whoever receives you receives me. Whoever receives me receives him who sent me, the Father. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Jesus is giving them hope his disciples were going out as sheep amongst wolves. I didn't even share with you the title of the message today. It's the family of Christ. The family of Christ. The real family. Jesus is giving them hope and encouraging them for their great journey is that they're about to take off and do. As Jesus receive, I'm sorry, as you receive Jesus, the Son of God, you receive God Almighty. And whoever receives the prophet, the righteous, or the disciple of Christ will receive a reward. Jesus breaks it down and says, even if someone gives you a glass of water because you are a disciple of me, they will be blessed and receive a reward. I love praying that prayer over people. As they bless me, I just say, Lord, would you bless them for blessing me? I'm thankful for them, Lord. Would you just give them favor for blessing me? I believe he hears those prayers. Christians are the largest family in the world. Did you know that? You can probably show up in any part of the world, especially places that are not America, uh, where hospitality is at a very high level in other countries. They know how to be hospitable to strangers. You can probably show up in any part of the world and find another Christian and they will welcome you into their home. They will bless you and pray for you all because of Jesus. You tell them, I'm a Christian. They're like, really? I'm a Christian too. 
And before you, there's a secret bond that has already taken place. Hey, please, come here, let me get you a drink. Let me, let, let's talk. Are you doing okay? All because of Jesus. Yes, the gospel divides. But the gospel also brings unbelievable unity amongst people on the earth. Proverbs 19, 17, Kindness to the poor is a loan to the Lord, and he will repay the lender. Ecclesiastes 11.1, 1, Cast your bread upon the waters, for after many days you will find it again. And Mark 9.41, Indeed, if anyone has given you even a cup of water because you bear the name of Christ, truly I tell you, he will never lose his reward. Hebrews 6.10, For God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown for his name as you have ministered to the saints and continue to do so. Family, we are the family of Christ, and our Father is in control. So do not fear. He's making all things right. Amen? We're going to worship in communion as we close and remember the great work of our Lord. Let's bow our heads in, in, in prayer and prepare our hearts for communion. Father, we worship you in this place, and we prepare our hearts now. And while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed and we're praying, Lord, there are some here who need to say, Jesus is Lord with all of their heart. And I pray that you would do that in them, that they, have see, they would see that we would see that we have sinned against you, that we have done wrong. But Lord, we come to you asking for forgiveness. We come to you asking you to be our Lord and Savior. We choose to follow you with all of our hearts, realizing you are the creator, you are the one. You're what we're missing in our life. And I pray that true repentance would take place, Lord, that we would stop following the ways of the world and start following the ways of you, walking with you all the days of our life. As we call upon the Lord, would each one be saved? As we prepare our hearts, Lord, now for communion, remembering what you've done, would you bless this time? Fill us with your spirit, we pray. Renew us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.